Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clips. I'm just wearing Top Gun. I don't know if I had a shitty quality, but I just like I couldn't really hear what they were saying or whatever. Like I don't know if it was just the timber of their voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean not not like cons- like not like to the point where it was a big deal, but there's just a couple times where maybe I wasn't even fully engaged all the way. I was just wow. like, don't know what he just said. But. Well, it is a movie with a really loud sound mix where <laughs> yeah. the dialogue is pretty low in that mix yeah. in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Uh, I could easily see you being overtaken by your emotions and just not hearing the words coming out. <laughs> I had several of those Patriot, moments myself. Patriot moment. I Especially Patriot when moment. the fighter jets come through. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I you forget you're watching a movie and you're just so attached to our country. True. <laughs> I find myself looking for sign-up documents and shit. It's like, damn. You wouldn't be the first one, <laughs> nor the last. Uh, welcome to Extended Clip. It's episode 131. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And joining us uh, is a returning champion coming back to the pod, bringing some Veterans Day Americana classics. Uh, our friend David, what's up? What's up, guys? It's DJ David. <laughs> DJ David. <laughs> On the motherfucking board. Uh, he did ask to play with the knobs, and I said no. But, you know, if you if you feel like someone's coming in too quiet, you can go ahead and adjust some knobs I, if you want. Am I coming in, am I coming in loud and clear? <laughs> you're, you're coming in <laughs> You're coming in okay, great. Good. You're coming Knob in great. problems Actually, already. Yeah, redirect that question to David. He is now our <laughs> producer for the episode. The levels are good. <laughs> Sure, you you will be have the responsibility of looking things up though if we need to. It's like David, can you look David, that up? Can you look that <laughs> up? <laughs> Pull that, that up, David. Yeah. Uh, David, since it is well, it was Veterans Day last Thursday, but you know, like a spoiled woman uh, celebrating her birthday for a full week, uh, I think the veterans should deserve a full month. I mean, know? for some of us, every day is Veterans Day, <laughs> yep. but. I mean, the month sentiment is also cool. I mean, I, you know, it's better than a day. So for this Veterans Month uh, double feature, we are talking <laughs> about Tony Scott's 1986 propaganda piece, Top Gun, uh, as well as Michael Bay's sick collab with the Department of Defense Hasbro, among others, <laughs> uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009, of course. And Spielberg. And Spielberg. Spielberg (laughs) did co-executive produce this film. It was the last in the series, uh, co-produced by DreamWorks. The rest, they said, okay, we see what you're doing here. We're getting out of here. Spielberg and Megan Fox both exited uh, the series after that (laughs) entry. You kind of wish they would have made their own movie. Exactly. They could have gone out. Spielberg directing Jennifer's body. Would it have been the same feminist classic that it is with that male gaze behind it? Probably not. But then everyone wouldn't be able to be like, you know, Jennifer's body, it's actually good. Well, I think there's some Spielberg (laughs) films people do that with. That's true. Um, Come on, Malcolm. (laughs) <laughs> Not what do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa! I don't, I don't do this I either. See you derisively tweeting about the Jennifer's body movement. Jennifer. <laughs> that shit already happened like seven years ago. <laughs> Criterion tried to reclaim the movement. Wow. But never mind. Never so this mind. is more of an anti-corporate thing than uh, as as with everything I yeah. do. Uh, so, <laughs> David, why why was it these two movies that you wanted to bring on the podcast? Yeah, well, I've always said like Top Gun is one of my favorite pieces of American propaganda because um, it's obviously such a good movie. Yeah. And, and for some reason, I felt like that movie and like the Transformers franchise kind of hold probably the same place in like the cultural consciousness of like people like, you know, the demographic demographic who is supposed to like get those movies at that time. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the same way I responded to Transformers 2 when I was like, Nine or ten would have been the same way I would have responded. Even though that's not the right response. So that makes sense that Transformers two kind of shaped who you are as a person. I think that makes a lot of sense. To <laughs> yeah, me. I, I guess if, if that's what if that's what we're realizing, that's that's not good. That's not good at all. <laughs> oh no, but I I mean Transformers two is obviously like the the worst one here. Yeah, that, that's that's the more interesting choice for me, and I, I feel like that one just expresses like peak like bozo michael bay otorism mm-hmm. you know like that's like it's just like dripping in like 
the sweat of 2007 with like all those like green day songs and everything so i just like <laughs> love it for that reason but hate it for everything else yeah it's like we're in 2009 and he's already nostalgic for the bush era <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it uh but we're starting with top gun of course uh made during the era of another great american president rr <laughs> Double R. Uh, hey, he's the movie's president. You know, true. Yeah, I mean, he was in a John Huston movie, so maybe, maybe he should be our favorite president. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Hey, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is a movie. I, I saw this one when I was a little kid. We rented it from Blockbuster because my mom was a fan of this one, and I believe watched it on VHS. Uh, so definitely didn't get the full, you know, cinemascope frames of Tony Scott. Definitely more of a washed out boxy ratio. But I remember having a good time with it. I remember uh, joking around with my friends at school saying, talk to me, goose. and Talk to me, goose. Things like that. And I think this is where I learned uh, the euphemism of flipping the bird as the middle finger as well. Um, But yeah, I, I was interested in revisiting it since like becoming a fan of Tony Scott's work. And while the blueprint is definitely there, uh, I think the text of the film is far and away more of a Bruckheimer Simpson propaganda piece than a film by Tony Scott. Uh, But it's interesting nonetheless, you know? Yeah, this is a real Paramount Pictures episode, I'm I'm realizing. And I mean, with Top Gun, it's like you have so many different, like you have the Bruckheimer Simpson, Tony Scott, and Cruz as well. So many big guys. It is. It does feel like the cruise mythos is kind of shackled here in a way, just due to the message. But it's like the star power still comes through. But it's like something where, like, I feel like cocktail is like the opposite of this movie. Kind of. A, I mean, both come out at similar times where it's like Tom Cruise is like has to contain his swagger. Has to be like, you know what I mean? He can't be a big hot shot. He's got to, you know, become a team player. Whereas like cocktail is about like rising up and becoming great like a great individual mm-hmm. same with days of thunder too i guess in a way but True. it's this it's the military we're, we're, we're you know it's different realms here you know what i mean it's not it's not real life in a way <laughs> <laughs> well that's an interesting point because it's not like for a military movie this has one actual conflict at the end and the rest are like war game simulations so mm-hmm. it's not real life at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it kind of puts it into perspective that like the whole drama of it and even like the death of Goose all are flattened kind of by the point that it's all kind of pointless. Like it's all just incredible amount of spending of taxpayer dollars for them to run these simulations to see who the best pilot is. And yet, you know what I mean? But that's that's uh, it's it's funny how much. I think that's what's kind of like, I guess, the appeal to me of this for this movie, regardless mm-hmm. of the, you know, the Americanism of it or whatever. It's just like how much Goose is like, or not Goose, Maverick, I should say, is so passionate about his flying or whatever. At least at the beginning, then he kind of, you know, someone in, someone close to you dies, you know, you shift your perspective a little bit. But he like, like I, I love when he's so insulted that like uh, his teacher slash lover like insults, like takes like a clip of, you know, him flying whatever and shows it as an example of what not to do and it's yeah. like that's you know the most you could hurt him is like to say he's not a good you know pilot or whatever same with val kilmer too people who are you know way too into their jobs yeah i mean i think this is a really good cruise vehicle because of how it uses his ego like it's it's so strong in that regard like when he's getting reprimanded and rewarded at the same time in the beginning like every time he gets reprimanded he's also getting like you know look you're a hell of a pilot, but you're dangerous, you know, or like you're at one point, his uh, superior in the beginning says you're too good. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like perfect for Cruz's just like all American egotism and, uh, and his charisma as well. It just really fuels that in an interesting way. Yeah. It's a very like impressionist movie, obviously where like the form is just used to like express like how passionate he feels mm-hmm. about flying and like, Especially towards the end, some of the needle drops, some of the songs he just oh my in. God. I would say uh, throughout. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. throughout. It, it, it's hard to not like, you know, he, he creates such strong moods out of that, you know. Uh, and, and that's part of why I keep coming back to it is like, where something like Transformers is like so paranoid and like disgusting. Like this is just like so nice. It's like, it feels so yeah. sweet and genuine, honestly. Tony Scott believes like in the dream of America. Like Michael Bay knows knows what the game is. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, it's like the thick romantic like 80s soundtrack. Like yeah. 
take take my breath away good like five times <laughs> dropped it feels like you know what i mean and yeah. uh, highway to the danger zone oh, maybe yeah. 20 oh, no, times yeah. like it, just as much as michael bay drops in that intro to 21 guns by green day i think <laughs> equally tony scott drops in highway to the danger zone i mean also the light in just this movie the way it bleeds through it's so washed out in a lot of scenes that i think it's just like i don't know stylized and also uh, gets you gets you feeling those vibes. It's like right washed out, a lot of sweaty boys. Oh, so much so much sunlight in this movie. Like yeah. the most sunlight I've seen in a movie for a while. And like different types of sunlight, kind of like the the bright blue skies during like the these action sequences. It's so funny because it's like the action. This is like the cleanest action can get almost yeah. with like just planes in the sky. Basically, definitely the cleanest Tony Scott action. True. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, him kind of going for that kind of stylized, you know, less defined by his, his later era, a lot of, like, cuts and, like, a lot of swooping shots. Like, this is more of just kind of clean, uh, just blue sky plane, see that machinery uh, just go against the, the sun, sun's sunny skies. <laughs> well, yeah, it, <laughs> and those skies go very brain. expressionist, too. Like Much like Days of Thunder, it has a lot of establishing shots of skies that are just like super imposing with clouds coming in and weird like orange and black hues going through them. Like, uh, you know, as we said, I mean, if you don't know the plot of Top Gun, basically, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is Maverick. He's a hotshot uh, U.S. Air Force pilot. He is sent to this program called Top Gun where they, you know, find out who the best pilot is, I guess. And uh, him and his partner Goose are kind of going up against uh, the Iceman, Val Kilmer, uh, throughout it. It, You know, a rivalry's built in. He also has a relationship that's built out uh, with a military contractor, uh, a a hot lady military contractor, that is, uh, played by Kelly McGillis, Charlie, which, you know, her having a male name name only adds to the homoeroticism that's like so palpable throughout this movie it's a movie about being so straight you're a little gay (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i think i think that's a good way to put it because i feel like this movie is homoerotic but it's like i don't know like the way it was talked about it wasn't homoerotic in the way you expect yeah i guess maybe i don't know maybe i thought it was just going to be like just blatant pornography or whatever (laughs) it's like the volleyball scene it's like they're just playing with their shirts off yeah you know what i mean it makes sense but it's like once you hang around the locker room and kind of like, yeah, the Kilmer. Well, yeah, some of the aspect. exchanges of eye contact between Kilmer and Cruz, like the yeah. first time they size each other up in the classroom is very charged. Yeah, that's that's kind of more where it's at. There, and like they get like just as close as like Cruz does with the McGillis there yeah. Like, yeah. in their confrontations. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like, you know, a little bit of sexual energy adds to any movie. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even if that's they're going to play straight, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, I guess if any part of it is gay, it's just how well Tony Scott records sweating bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Tony Scott is in on the the subtext as much as that, you know, that that flew over the Department of Defense people who had to approve this in Brookheimer and what? Simpson. It feels like Tony Scott is like in on the game just with as you said JT how close it is like there's so many uh you know shot reverse shots of the way that Cruz and McGillis look at each other versus the way Cruz and Kilmer look at each other very very similar and also the way that Cruz and Goose look at each other they have this relationship that they've had for so long after Goose dies uh you know you get about 30 minutes of this film which I would say is the weakest point uh where Cruz is just grieving and wanting to quit the Air Force and uh you know, one of my favorite shots in the film is him on a motorcycle going out to the airstrip, just like watching planes land on the super orange sky. And it's kind of the highlight of that segment. But uh, once he wins over the affection of Iceman uh, at the end, there's a scene where like he, so he hugs Ice, you know, after he gives the great line, you know, you could be my wingman anytime. <laughs> and then he throws the dog tags of goose that he was holding on to for sentimental value out into the ocean as if like he's over his ex and ready to move on to his new lover. True. You know, it is, it's just random thought though, while we're on the sexuality of this movie, or I guess two random thoughts. One, it's like, what, Dude, what, what, what? too random. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But, uh, uh, just that that scene where like uh, Maverick Goose and their respective partners are all hanging out at the bar. Maverick's getting pretty close to Goose's wife there, you know, getting pretty cuddly. Just yeah. had just had mm-hmm. to notice that. Okay. Um, 
second of all it's like you know people talk about the homoeroticism in this movie kind of like it's like you know oh this is like this movie for straight guys and there's actually you know there's actually gay stuff in it it's like maybe that you know david said you know a little sexuality you know no matter what type it is could charge up a movie maybe the department of defense kind of knows what they're doing here you know what i mean yeah. trying to get gay men to join but the no, army no, you have to do it in, well, like you're trying to you're trying to honeypot straight men who have you know secret gay desires sure. to express them through military to action. join the navy yeah. because i have said air force a few times but it True. is the naval like air people i, didn't, I don't they know got everything that, I yeah guess. they got everything in the navy i thought it was just <laughs> men on ships but it's also men on ships in planes wow didn't realize i guess that. every military thing they also just have everything that every other military thing has just yeah. random thought. it's all it, it's like <laughs> shell companies you know yeah, yeah. like it's it's for tax purposes yeah exactly. it's all just under uncle sam baby we figured it out it's it doesn't matter which one you join yeah <laughs> just join no i feel like that's also uh part of how something becomes like i don't know a huge trend is like people are like oh like i'm i'm not into that you know like oh like it's kind of like white, like frat dudes getting into white claws, you know, like people being like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's a little gay, you know, they're shirtless and everything, you know, oh, wow, this is actually kind of good. Yeah, you know, you keep it in the media, you keep forcing it on them, no. <laughs> Eventually people turn, we're into, we're By on the, the end of this episode. People go to the army, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. we, fucking, we crush every country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the heterosexual sexuality, uh, the like kind of very obligatory feeling midpoint sex scene uh, between Cruz and McGillis Ooh. is really intensely shot with this like silver blue <laughs> like sheen. And it's just like, I don't know. It doesn't look like anything else in the movie. Tony Scott really pulled out all the stops there. What's funny about this movie. Cause this is my first time watching it. There's so many movies that are kind of like pivoting off of this one. I would say mm-hmm. like, even like, I don't know, like I probably saw like a Simpsons parody episode of this or something like that. But even like, I feel like I remember sex scenes looking exactly like that in mm-hmm. other movies, Sp- specifically for like kind of like respectable sex scenes in like military movies or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's funny. It just it's I think the rule at, with back in the 80s, it's like you could have sex one time in those movies. So you, you got to really put, you know, some visual flair behind it. Yeah, it's like the, the Terminator sex scene. Yeah. You know, just like before the action ramps up, you just got to get it in there, you know. True. Um. Any final thoughts on this one before we wrap up the the breezy affair that is Top Gun? Uh, David, you brought it on the pod. Any final thoughts and a bullet rating? Uh, Tom Cruise is the goat. Uh, I give this a four and a half bullets. Four and a half American flags, let's say, for this let's, episode. Let's say four and a half 50 caliber bullets straight through Osama's <laughs> eyebrow. <laughs> Uh, Malcolm, what about you? Actually, you know, we've been speaking positive about this movie. I don't like love it, to be honest. Yeah, like no, I don't, I'm in the same boat. It's like very bloated, and you know what I mean. And it's like, I think like for everything I like about it, I also feel like it lays it on a little too thick or something like that in a way that it doesn't move as fast as I'd like it to. And like I, as much as I like the plane combat, I really don't know like what's going like I don't I can't tell the difference between Tom Cruise fucking up and when he's doing amazing and I guess that's the point because it's like he's overdoing it right so it's like they're you know he's rep- hot dogging he's hot dogging it so they're reprimanding him for that but it's just so funny it's just like he does the sickest shit ever and they're like you fucked up Tom but I guess that's that's the whole culture I'm gonna go three bullets um, still an enjoyable movie JT yeah I'm going four bullets on this one there's enough like just swag and charm in there uh, for it to carry it for me and just uh, I don't know beautiful images as well yeah. like that's uh, I can kind of zone out during the more plotty or bloated parts and just uh, stare out the the beautiful sunset and think wow what if life had gone differently what if I was a military man probably be a lot happier. Well, as you all know, <laughs> as you all know, I was a Navy brat, you know, just going from base to base. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, that, that's true. And I also like introducing it this late, you know what I mean, in the, in the pods run. So this film really means a lot to me. <laughs> no, uh, I, I was kind of riding the three and a half, almost four, but like, I don't know. Yeah, that segment after Goose dies feels like nine hours long, <laughs> even though like it's only a hundred minute movie, you know. I think maybe it was my fault. I don't know what the hell went wrong. 
but I, I think it, it does a lot of good stuff. It's just like the the bad kind of outweighs the good. Um, the the actual impact of the movie, like there was a five hundred percent increase in men signing up to be really? naval pilots after this movie <laughs> came out. Nice. Which I guess it doesn't have to do with how good the movie is, but it kind of makes you a little queasy i guess what's well, also it's like it's with propaganda like that it's like how many of those do they really need too it's like yeah. you probably just need like what 50 i mean probably a lot more i don't who, who knows what you i'm talking about 50 we need pilots. a lot of boots on the ground <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just sick that like just signing up for one specific job they probably just it's like yeah you could fucking clean up the base at one point you know what i mean like no yeah like, they tell all those dudes yeah you'll get in the plane <laughs> oh yeah you're, you're flying buddy it'll be a great time <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm going three bullets on this one. Uh, I like it. It's a good movie. It's just not quite where I want my my Tony Scott movies to be at, nor my Tom Cruise movies. Well, I guess 80s Tom Cruise, it's kind of what you ask for, yeah. uh, other than like the bigger auteur collaborations. But I, I think Cruise's performance and just like on an image by image basis, Scott, like really pull something out of this, you know? Um, yeah, we'll be right back on Extended Clip. You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. And we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. Unless you are in the military, then it is great. True. Uh, <laughs> military Malcolm, uh, did you watch anything good this week? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like, you know, life well, You is- don't have to call me, sir. We call you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all you're getting. I can't do any more of that impression. Um, I, in fact, watching these movies made me realize I'm not, I, I can't go to the military. It'd be too overwhelming for me. Oh. But uh, <laughs> you have too much really? anxiety. I have too much. <laughs> I think I'd be ready. I'm ready for True, it. True, I have too much imposter syndrome, so I can't join the military. Um, this never, novel's <laughs> taking up too much of my time. <laughs> I'll never be like SEAL Team Six. Um, you know, speaking of novels, David, there's a character in the movie I watched <laughs> this this week that uh, wants to write a novel. Uh, it's the guy who has sex with one of his high school students in Election Ooh. from uh, 1999. And this movie's good. Um, that's what I'll say, you know, from the get-go. It's pretty good. It's really good. But uh, it's funny that, like, every movie from 1999 was about, like, the same thing. Is that, like... like That is funny. It is, it's, like, all about just, like, how being middle class is, like, wacky or, like, it sucks, <laughs> kind of, or whatever. And, uh, like... It's like fight clubs like that. Uh, there's some other movies. American Beauty. American Beauty yeah. is obvious. Uh, analog, a Matrix even a little bit. Um, happiness that comes out a year before. Even something like Rushmore, which I recently watched, doesn't quite go for that entirely, but kind of picks at that mm. thread, I would say. Um, just a little something I noticed. Maybe that's why everyone thinks it's like the best movie year of all time. It's just because a lot of similar themes are being tackled. Yeah. little theory I had. But... Uh, Election's a really like funny movie. It's a really like, you know, mean spirited movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even more so than I was expecting because it is like it seems like a movie like almost like you could watch with your parents almost. But then there's like five scenes of Matthew Broderick having like the most awkward sex yeah. imaginable. And I, I like I like it's like kind of like uh like it does play like the different perspective things in a way where it's like you got to hear both sides because it is like if this whole movie. Although maybe there'd be something to that, but if this whole movie was just Broderick just dogging, wrist, you know, like, like just being an asshole in his head to Reese Witherspoon, it'd be relentless. But you know, obviously there's a sense of patheticness, you know, to himself that's addressed. But you know, it's it's funny how it's like something like downsizing mm-hmm. is like completely like opposite appeal of that movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe maybe he worked through his emotions or something and came through, you know, out of, out a different tunnel. But, uh, I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was really funny election. You might've heard of it. You Check know it who really likes election? Who? Barack Obama. Did he, he says, say that? Yeah. He says it's his favorite political film. Oh, interesting. 
See that's that's I don't. That's weird, right? That's well, weird. I mean, we talked that's, about going Bullworth before as well. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, I guess also James Toback did an early draft on Bullworth. I think Ethan told us that, mm-hmm. that this week. Just interesting food interesting. for thought. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. The gambler himself. David, have you seen anything noteworthy this week? This week, the only other thing I watched was actually uh, Matt Farley's Metal Detector Mania. Oh, Ooh. shit. Um, How'd you get your hands on that? Might, might have caught it a tiny bit early um, because my name's in the credits for no reason. No reason at all. <laughs> um, n- n- I didn't pay anyone off. Um, uh, 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 uh. You're but, talking uh, to a producer of this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I this got the email. This industry is not about who you know. It's who you pay. Yeah. And it's me. The answer is me. Uh, no, but I got to see this movie, and I'm only going to give it a favorable review. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Say something about the movie. <laughs> I didn't actually watch the movie, okay? Uh, no, it was great. No, it was exactly like uh, kind of what you would expect out of a, a Matt Farley movie at this point. Yeah. It's great because uh, without like any like outside influence from like, you know, like, you know, they don't have some studio or something like, you know, they're just going to make like something yeah. that's great again. There's nothing to get in the way. True. Um, but it definitely like uh, I read someone's review on Letterboxd and they kind of described it as like one long like Norm McDonald joke <laughs> that just like goes in circles and circles and circles and somehow gets funnier and funnier and funnier. So it's just like them like maybe to a, like a more absurd degree than I've seen them before. Interesting. Um, so it was really That's interesting really to hear after the yeah. somewhat more serious heard she got married from earlier this year. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, look, there's. There's two sides to this fella, Farley, you know? Um, I always like when people make two movies in a year, too. That's oh, impressive. Yeah. Big yeah. fan On of that. On that hustle. Exactly. The hustle continues. JT, <laughs> what have you been hustling? I've I've seen some things this week, but one thing is, since we're in military mode, I got to talk about a man who had a, a lot of respect and admiration for those in the military, and it's none other than John Ford. I watched, uh, this is not a military movie, but it's 1958's uh, The Last Hurrah. The tagline is something to shout about. Um, <laughs> and I would I'd say it's, it's shout worthy. It's a pretty good movie. I think like um, it's like one of those weird like Ford odds and ends that isn't like a Western or a military movie. It's about uh, Spencer Tracy plays uh, Frank Skeffington who's this like uh, I think four term mayor of some random New England town who is perceived to be like generally well liked. But then all the goddamn bankers and the media in the town, they want to change things in there and uh, stop like a housing project from being built. Um, And uh, Skeffington runs against uh, this young, dumb, like, rube that they put up against him. And, uh, I don't know, it's nice. Like, the images aren't as, uh, I don't know, like, immediately beautiful as, like, some of the other Fords I've seen. And it's, like, a little subtle in that regard. But just even him doing, like, a lot of standard, like, shot-reverse shot, I think it's something pretty powerful. And just, like, a an interesting personal tale uh, that he takes in a real bittersweet direction about sort of like, I don't know. I wouldn't think Ford would be the type of person. I mean, he's a lot of his movies are about how the times are changing and not necessarily uh, for the better. And I think that movie reflects it, but it has a level of cynicism about it that feels uncharacteristic to Ford's other work. Interesting. Yeah. Lost faith in the world. They are a change. And you know who said that one time? An old man named Bob Dylan. I thought it was Woody Guthrie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that Bob Dylan made some good music. He knew how to strum. But I'm not going to talk about Bob Dylan (laughs) for my segment. He was in some movies. Yeah. But I didn't watch any of them this week. Pat and Billy and Garrett the Kid or whatever. Sure. (laughs) Many a documentary has been made about him. True. I've seen some of them. Like 17 at least, probably. MTV Unplugged. He did one of those. <laughs> I have that like, on DVD. He was in the room, spilling his like uh, tour secrets or something. 
<laughs> no, that's VH1 storytellers. I would have loved to see a VH1 storytellers on Bob Dylan. Flat, Bob Dylan on Vlad TV. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew more about Bob Dylan to expand on that. <laughs> well, in 1967, I believe he released an album called Blonde on Blonde. I was going to, you know, somehow tie this to the movie I'm going to talk Blonde about. Blonde on Blonde. You ever see that in real life? <laughs> That's what Vlad would ask. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay interviewing Bob Dylan. Oh. <laughs> Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, it'd be like. <laughs> Just like that. So there's visions of Joanna. You got Joanna and you got Louis, <laughs> Louise and Joanna. I fucked them both. Oh. <laughs> anyway, 1968, The Swimmer, uh, directed by uh, Frank Perry, starring Burt Lancaster. Uh, this is a movie that I watched about an hour ago, and it's fucking great. It is just like uh, a very poetic film for the decline of studio Hollywood in the late 60s. It's, you know, the, those kind of late 60s Hollywood movies that are more of a European art house influence on them. But you got people like Burt Lancaster still holding it down. True star power, you know. Um, but what he does is he realizes that he can swim from one of his friend's houses all the way back to his because there's so many swimming pools in the county. You know, he could just hop from backyard to backyard, take a dip in his neighbor's pool, and just swim across the county. And as he does, he encounters people from his immediate past and some from further back in his past. And you learn a little bit about life, love, loss, darkness, sadness, tragedy, uh, all of that. It's a it's a deeply like poetic film that has just an incredible performance of Burt Lancaster just swaggering around, uh, getting more kind of meek and less powerful as the film goes on. And it's like a deeply interior and psychological film, but there's no like voiceover or anything like that. It's just based purely on his expressions and the way he carries himself and then the editing becomes very poetic in certain points. I said poetic a lot. I think it's because we talked about Bob Dylan. True. You know, he, he, he's known as one of America's great poets. Yeah, I mean, you'd think he, you know, he'd be making music, but he made poetry too. That's so true. <laughs> you know, if you take away like the music and you just look at the lyrics, <laughs> they kind of look like poetry. <laughs> You know, uh, I think I've maybe said this before, but I remember I had an English teacher who was so obsessed with Bob Dylan in high school that he somehow like shoehorned it into assignments. He's like, I remember we had to write an essay comparing Bob Dylan to the great Gatsby. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, Bob Dylan and F. Scott Fitzgerald, they have a lot in common too. <laughs> Let's get into that. In fact, there's even a line in one of Bob Dylan's songs uh, referencing someone reading all of F. Scott Fitzgerald's books. Maybe that's maybe he was listening to that song and maybe <laughs> I'll have to ask him. <laughs> we'll like, be right back on extended clip. The swimmer's a good movie. I like the swimmer a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Earth, birthplace of the human race, a species much like our own, capable of great compassion and great violence. For in our quest to protect the humans, a deeper revelation dawns. Our worlds have met before. Oh, drop. That's how I'm introducing the this movie. Oh, real? Because we're back on extended yeah. clip. Uh, we're talking about what? What movie are we talking about? Well, we're Malcolm? talking about a sequel, and you know, Transformers Two. But you know, before we get into that, I kind of had an idea for a sequel myself. It's to a recent movie. You guys might have seen called Booksmart. I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I was like, what if we made books smarter? And it's, you know, there's no girls in the movie. It's all guys. And we kind of dress up in drag, making fun of the girls in Booksmart for being lame. It's called a book smarter. It's kind of like whitest kids, you know, style. R.I.P. Trevor Moore. <laughs> <don't know>. Very <laughs> national. Very national. Uh, 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 yeah, exactly. You know, um, 
Oh, is Maybe. that why they call it National Lampoon? Because they're like lampooning things? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's from an American perspective. National well, this Lampoon. is Veterans Week and you know, you know those veterans love reading the National Lampoon every week. <laughs> well, we're not lampooning any veterans here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we would never dare to do that. Uh, Transformers 2, a.k.a. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, was released in 2009. And this film has an interesting uh, production history, really coming through with our like history of America and you know American politics and the military and whatnot. Um, it was written... During the Writers Guild strike, uh, this is technically a scab script. Uh, basically, like the the writers strike was impending. They knew it was going to happen while they were working on the script. So Bay had the two screenwriters turn over basically everything that they had so far, like the night before the strike was going to happen. Uh, and so he had like some notes and outlines and like part of a script, and he himself turned it into what they called a uh, scriptment. Uh, a mix between a treatment and a script. And uh, the lack of a proper screenplay by screenwriters, even within the Michael Bay catalog, definitely shows in this extremely messy narrative picture. Um, it was also produced on the verge of a potential strike of the Director's Guild. And the Director's Guild didn't end up going on strike, but just in case they were going to, uh, Bay ended up like directing animatics you know like like animated storyboards basically of the action scenes uh so that like he could have them ready to go if there was a strike going on <laughs> like uh, he he really wanted this movie to get done no matter what and uh he he was a real showman on this one he uh he even tried to do like a fake publicity like misinformation campaign <laughs> like leaking call sheets and like you know uh censoring the names of certain robots that would appear in the movie <laughs> that's very like that's a good like that shows in like his uh in that scene where they're like in the little internet office or whatever and like the guys being like internet is the truth or whatever as armand white highlighted i think michael bay wanted to fuck with the trolls dude this was his, him kind of coming back at the trolls um Transformers 2. They're back and they're better than ever. <laughs> All your favorite. This time they're from space. Yeah, I guess, and they've been here forever too. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that like, yeah, this is like it starts with just Transformers just murking cavemen. Yeah. Very like... <laughs> Kind of racist. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Start the racism right from the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. it starts with this very strange intro where I believe it is Optimus Prime telling us that the Transformers have been on the Earth as long as we have, and uh, yeah, you get some very very weird stuff. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't even know where to begin with this. Film. This movie's incomprehensible. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's kind of like on every single level, it's kind of like. I guess not even hard to watch. It's like, especially with like the visuals of the Transformer stuff, there's something impressive about mm -hmm. it, at least to me. And I think there's something interesting about it, but it's also, it's like, I have no idea what I'm like looking at here yeah. or yeah. what I'm watching. And, it, you know, and then, you know, we have the in-between time of, you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf going to college or whatever. And then yeah. he, I guess he has to, <laughs> then he just has to go and, so yeah, it's I guess the script is all over the place itself, and it it does seem like Michael. The I guess you, you David, you chose this right because you kind of uh, you kind of prompted it as that like this is the most the most Michael Bay yeah, movie, and yeah. I think I think he kind of got all his flourishes, and I think the flourishes are his from the visuals too, like the dialogue the and what bay happens humor. in the movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. the bay humor. The bay humor in this movie is unbearable, but that's what makes it bay humor. It's yeah. like, you know, Shy is moving out and like uh, his dad's telling him like, oh, you know, yeah, I know you got your girlfriend, but there's going to be chicks all over the place. And he's like slaps his mom's ass and Shy's like, oh, that was disgusting. And then cut to the dogs fucking each other on the couch. And it's like, you got <laughs> everything. It's, it's a truly ugly and evil world we live in. Yes. That's, and I think I kind of appreciate that. And I don't really find it funny, per se. I guess there's something kind of gross about Bumblebee pissing in that girl's face or yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. which is something I couldn't... I, or there's a scene where I guess she's a Transformer, a Decepticon But at that herself. point, we just think she's like the sluttiest woman in the True. world. <laughs> True. That's what women do. They just approach and they start grinding on your lap. That's what that's that's what tends to happen. That's what college is that's like. What college, that's what Asher Roth was singing about. <laughs> this was that. This did come out around 
when Asheroff I Love College came out. So maybe Bay was just feeling that song or something like that. But uh, it's true. Oh, yeah. uh, Bay's the kind of guy who I'm sure is still king of the frat wherever he is, you know. Um, and it <laughs> 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 hey, keeps that in his mind, you know. But I, I, I just love like how like the story, like, you know, his like, you know, it's very like a young adult, you know, like nostalgic. I don't know, like everyone gets to like experience this uh you know everyone wants to become the superhero Mm -hmm. and so the shia labeouf story is like i i can't tell my girl i love her like that's just too weird (laughs) yeah yeah, throughout the whole movie he's scared to tell her that he loves her which is just a very strange thing for like them having the full arc that they did in the first movie and everything uh it's just i don't know and then they they're gonna have their long distance relationship uh with you know uh video chatting that he he stands her up or whatever and uh i don't know the like it's it's very well trod territory to talk about the treatment of megan fox in these movies but it's pretty rough you know opening that classic uh you know money shot of introducing her like mounting the bike very sexually to spray paint it like nobody would ever spray paint that way like this, you, the this, angle that she takes is just fucking incomprehensible uh, 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 there that's what i thought titan was going to be like yeah transformers <laughs> too but i guess i don't know i guess space is doing a little bit more vulgar or yeah. whatever did you guys see this one in theaters no no Probably at the time, yeah. Yeah, I saw it opening day, uh, and I came out of the theater to texts that Michael Jackson had died. Oh, <laughs> I do remember that day. I do. I remember where I was yeah. when MJ died. Yeah. yeah, I was walking out of the Transformers movie at the Northridge Mall, and it wow. kind of it was uh, the movie was already kind of a bummer, but that really put a sour <laughs> tinge in my mouth. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like when... The uh, death of America right there, man. <laughs> you didn't like Rain Wilson and his uh, great uh, uh, epic uh, professor scene? His oh uh, my God. good Harrison 90 Ford. seconds of uh, yeah. uh, screen time he gets there? Well, don't worry. He comes back in the post credit scene to call Shia LaBeouf Professor Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's like what Michael Bay envisions a college classroom as. It's just like Rain Wilson with the blackboard behind him looking like the nightmare scene from A Serious Man. Uh, <laughs> just like all this nonsense brawled out all over the place and Shia just convulsing because the the shard or the sliver of the cube that's another thing is that's all this terminology there's the shard the sliver the cube and then there's like what in the matrix yeah, yeah all these he's got the matrix in his mind yeah that's that's the one of the craziest that's like where I was like you know I guess with this type of movie right you're kind of just hoping that like all the over the topness all the grossness all of it just at least for me it's like Let's just ramp it up all the way, yeah. and that would be the most enjoyable, or at least artistically interesting version of this movie. And since it's like, I don't know, it's a you know, it's a movie that has to make you know five hundred million dollars. It yeah. doesn't quite cash all of its chips in, probably more so than any other Transformers movie, if I had to guess in terms of its grossness. But it is like just like just ridiculous, you know, and its ridiculousness. But like, I kind of like Shia LaBeouf just like at the frat party like painting hieroglyphics on the table uh, with cake frosting just being like I like that little 20 minutes of the movie where he's like possessed by a computer chip and it's just sprouting information yeah I mean look I'm not going to beat around the bush here I think Michael Bay is a skilled filmmaker with certain skills in his arsenal that he deploys even in his worst movies and this is one of them there are little little sparks of joy in this movie but there is so much junk around it you know like i i don't go that high on my favorite michael bay movies like i would say bad boys 2 i would give like a very hard three and a half almost maybe a four you know mm-hmm. uh and the, he has a handful of threes in there too like i i think there's some good movies that he's made and i i think he like uh showing you know shia possessed by the shard slash the sliver uh is like some genuinely fun stuff even if it's surrounded by nonsense and the the set piece of the the woman who becomes a transformer destroying the library is one of the more practical things uh because you know while she's a person and not a transformer it's you know yeah as i said a little more practical there's a lot of cgi but it's a little more practical you get Mm -hmm. shia swinging from the lamp in the in the (laughs) library and stuff like that and he knows how to put together an action scene but then when it's like it switches to the taller uh, aspect ratio yeah. in the IMAX version for the that first Transformer fight and it's just two giant CG robots fighting each other and you think <laughs> okay so 
was he just busting out the IMAX camera to shoot an empty field and just like moving the camera through an empty field and <laughs> chopping down trees as they went? Like, no. it was fucking insane. I just like, with the CG stuff, it was like, it's at a weird point because it's like, I think on the cusp of it getting like to the point of CG being like photorealistic, like good. And it doesn't, there, there are like parts that I feel like have the charm of like bad 2000 CG that I kind of like. Like when the the bug robots are crawling up in Shia and like down his mouth, there's like a point where you can tell like how fake it is. And I like the falseness of that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, just when it's like robots shuffling around in space, it's like incomprehensible. Yeah. It's just like, what am I like? What and not not in a cool way where it's any form of abstraction. It's just like shuffling metal. Yeah, and I guess it's like my point is that like I think I find that maybe just a little bit more interesting than you guys, but ultimately not to like a big greater end. It is it is just like it is just like like it's it's optical illusions. Like I'm I'm looking at it. It's like I'm looking through like a like some sort of like you know just one of those books you get at the library of just like crazy images, and it's just like I can't. Like he, like it is magic just like eye poster. Yes. Yeah, magic yeah. eye shit. Like it is, and it is like there's something interesting about that. But there's a lot of this movie, and there's a lot of those sequences. And like I feel like the the switch between like the IMAX aspect ratio and the the widescreen one is super clunky. Like it really, oh, yeah. it, re- it really like. Um, Especially puts a when, damper they, on when they bring it back when they're in Egypt, quote yeah. unquote Egypt, actually New Mexico. <laughs> uh, for the most part, they actually ended up shooting for a few days in Jordan, which is so weird. Like I read about this, they they shot all the stuff in New Mexico for the Middle Eastern stuff, but then they ended up shooting some stuff in Jordan because um, what's his name, uh, King Abdullah the Second enjoys sci-fi films, so he uh, had the. Uh, uh, Royal Jordanian <laughs> Air Force aid in the production while they were there for like a week. That's that's kind of you know Sex in the City too. Also traveling out to the Middle yeah. East. This is kind of like you same know, year. Yeah, I know. You know, we're talking. Uh, you know, he's nostalgic for the Bush era already, but this is kind of like we're in that Obama era. Let's like let's make a deal with the Middle East. You yeah. know what I mean? Let's <laughs> let's shake some hands. But uh, I'm sure Michael. I'm, I wouldn't bring up uh, Obama around Michael Bay. Well, <laughs> Michael Bay brought up Obama a couple times in this movie. Yeah, true. yeah you, you get like someone saying that they brought Obama into hiding in the middle of the country when the what aliens come, <laughs> <laughs> hiding in the bunker, and hiding <laughs> again. Also, like uh, when the Decepticons like hijack the airwaves of TV to like threaten the world with their global terror attacks. Uh, one of the lines is, you know, your leaders have lied to you. And then it shows a picture of Obama really quick. (laughs) Guns out. There is definitely a streak of that. Like literally the, uh, the roommate of Shia say that the mainstream media are lying to you and the internet is the truth. Like definitely predates a big section of our, like a bigger section of our culture. Now, you know, those people were around then, but obviously they've become so much more predominant over the last few years. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because it's like, there are guys who are like that, right? That are much more like political or whatever, where it's like Michael Bay, like his extent of politics is just to be like, yeah, you know, they're fucking lying. And then it's just yeah. like, all right, 45 minutes of just, <laughs> just <laughs> fucking CGI robots attacking. Yeah. attacking. Like he doesn't give it much thoughts. Like that's for, that's for the nerds to figure out. Yeah. And the fact that like the transformers <laughs> are like, uh, or some of them are like military vehicles to him yeah, is just yeah. cool. Like, that doesn't mean anything to him, but it's just cool. Like, when they go to the Air and Space Museum, and there's just, like, kind of a glamour shot of the Enola Gay, like, the the fucking, (laughs) the vehicle that dropped a fucking atomic payload. (laughs) Like, the only, or one of two, both by us, within a very short period of time, uh, ever dropped, like, just devastating a nation. And Michael Bay is just like, yeah, I mean, like, it can be in the background, right, before we wake up an old Decepticon. And blow up Egypt. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the whole thing in that way just kind of feels like you know, what if, what if we did nine eleven, but we won this time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 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 and it, it, you know, it's also it's like you know, like you break up a good point, Eddie. It's like yeah, it's like some of them are military weapons or whatever, which doesn't mean anything to Bay, but it's like you could obviously take you know a very like bullshit, but you know, an anti-capitalist reading of this like 
like especially in the beginning where like all the uh the machines and like shia labeouf's huge fucking house starts like attacking everyone it's like kind of a weird thing where it's like damn all the shit you know we're using to protect us and entertain us is now like coming back to us maybe you know a very like base level anti-consumerism yeah, good thing we have all this military equipment which is it is like it is like with like these robots these big robots i guess it, it does beg the questions like how do you like fight against this shit and it's like a very simple answer it's just like you just double down on regular military shit yeah just keep blowing them up well because yeah bay has had like a pretty strong relationship with the department of defense's like cinema people or like media people i guess since pearl harbor and oh, yeah. uh, there was I, I read this press release uh, like while they were shooting this that uh, I guess like Michael Bay's press agent said that this is the biggest uh, I, I got to get the quote right. Yeah, it's the biggest joint military operation movie ever. And it's uh, <laughs> and it's which is, you know, it's funny that like all the racism and stuff and the sexism is oh, you know, God, yeah. very, you know, you got the two uh, skid and mud. Flap. Yeah. What's what's the Amos and Andy type character type yeah. character? Or robots and it is just like they're literally one like, of them played by spongebob himself tom kenny tom, Ken- <laughs> tom kenny was going like what's up man yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> why are we still listening to you little punk ass i mean what you have to do for us except ding my rim kill megan Trump. how about that well he didn't get the job done you know what i mean because he's back now man. you scared it's scared get your ugly face oh, i'm ugly we we twins you know i have another <laughs> funny story about so i guess i saw, I saw this multiple times in theaters and uh one of my one of my middle school chums i remember talking to him with his dad about the movie like at his house after and his dad remarked uh I didn't like those hip hop robots. <laughs> hip hop style robot. Yeah. I mean, they they didn't effectively fight well in combat, right? It's true. It's so, true. Something yeah. to consider. He was also a big anti Obama guy. He, Obama. He said, yeah, he was the Obama guy. He said, "Obama, you gotta lock him up." You know, like <laughs> what, was, what was like? They're like, "We gotta lock him up." That's yeah, such what a, was that even for? Like that's such a sick. Like like I like that move. Like not even like I oh, sucks as president. Like, we gotta throw him in fucking jail. We gotta get rid of this guy completely. Like not like he can't even be walking on the streets. <laughs> Because he lied to us. <laughs> but yeah, lock him up because he's from Kenya. He lied. Exactly. Lied his way out of the office. Hey, our leaders have lied to us. Uh, so once they lock find out up. that, <laughs> once the world has found out that their leaders have lied to them, and there's a global terror threat at the hands of space robot aliens. Uh, they they go to Egypt because of some sort like w- once it gets into like the ancient Egyptian mythology stuff Taturo. of like Orion's belt and Totoro and Shia like working together to figure out how the pyramids play into it and stuff it's <laughs> like what are we doing here? See those three stars? You see how the last one touches the horizon? That's Orion's belt. It's also called the Three Kings, and the reason for that is the three Egyptian kings who built the pyramids of Giza built them to mirror those stars. So it's like an arrow staring us straight in the face. They all point due east towards Jordan. And it's so long, too. Like, once Totoro gets involved, you think <laughs> maybe there's a little more levity, but once they get to Egypt, the movie feels like it's a whole other movie's yeah, length, true. you know? Th- it's so fucking long. I think, I think you know, it's because I think this movie's kind of begging at, like, the question. It's like, I think the Transformers built the pyramids. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and it's like, it's going after, you know, some more racism, you know, be like, how did they build those pyramids? Like they just had, you know, the Jews were enslaved for so long. They they made them work very hard. That's how they built the pyramids. So that's what we're calling my people now. Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that's like definitely, they continue that. (laughs) They continue that trend for the rest of the series where they're like, just throw them in a different historical period. Yeah. Like, no, the like, third one's crazy where it's like the moon landing was real, but it was a hoax to cover up the fact that Transformers were on the moon first. <laughs> Transformers were everywhere. I got, This is kind of like, it does bring up some, like a weird question of like just technology being around like before yeah. mankind. You know, it's like there's interesting ways to go with some of the things he's poking at here, but if, you know, I mean, he's he's got his own way. Of course, yeah. he's going to bull ahead. I, I was reminiscing on the third one and reading some capsules to kind of bring back those memories because I saw that one in the theaters too. And yeah, there, there's a point where Buzz Aldrin is like totally complicit in like the conspiracy, like as himself. And he just like <laughs> talks to Optimus Prime. He's like, yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you should, you, you'd think he would have had a bigger ego than that, but he's like, I'll yeah. step aside for Transformers 3 just to uh, 
add some more mythology. Look, his grandkids have got to go to college. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he got paid for one flight, okay? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not paying him to walk around. <laughs> They're no. big Bumblebee fans. He his autograph on set. No, I, the, the, one of the big things I, that was interesting thing about this movie is that it feels like like the ideal like NRA defense of like, oh, if shit goes down, at least we got our guns. Like, yeah. Yeah. like the military guys just like go off on their own and like <laughs> just like go fight the Transformers by themselves. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Well, it's, it is the classic. This is a, a villain in a lot of like, uh, you know, action movies, especially, you know, more, back where like action movies were a little bit more openly conservative is like the the pencil pusher bureaucrat who's like, yeah. you can't go and blow up everything. You know what I mean? You got to try something different. And they're like, this guy's a fucking loser. You yeah, know so they I mean? literally throw him out of a plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And it's like, it is funny, just like Josh Duhamel and Tyrese just do nothing for like the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie, just being like, yeah. damn, I wish I was fucking people up right now. <laughs> and there's also like hundreds of actual military people as extras in this movie, really? which is hilarious. That's yeah. Fun. Part of that big collab, you know? Um, <laughs> I guess we could kind of wrap up. There's not too much else to say. If you want to know the plot of this movie, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we said as much as we will. We don't know it. <laughs> One final note that I'll say is that in the months that I've lived here in this house and in the years that JT has lived in this house, this is the first time we have ever received a copyright strike from our ISP Damn. for downloading a movie was for Transformers Revenge of the Ooh. Fallen. So I guess Watch they're out. always watching. Yeah, yeah. You know, show a little respect. So those Decepticons. Yeah. <laughs> Paramount's on, you know, they're on Poverty Row right now. So they're, they're pinching <laughs> pennies. They're pinching pennies. Subscribe to Paramount Plus, please. Uh, this is probably my least favorite favorite Michael Bay movie that I've seen. I'm going to give it one single bullet right to the dome. I'm going to give this one two bullets in that. I don't know. I could, I could see myself putting on the third one and looking at my phone during it. And like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst time. Yeah. Third one's better. It is. I, you know, I've, I've actually heard, you know, the deep Bay auteurist really champion the third one. Funny enough. So maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's the, that's the one. I don't hey, know. Friend of the pod. Josh gives it a four. Well, wow. if Josh says it, so it is written, so it shall be told. <laughs> <laughs> David? Yeah, you know, I think I give this one a two. Uh, you know, all, all things considered, I, I'm still just such a big fan of the beautiful images and how, you know, disgusting it all is to just see him, like, throw everything yeah. at the, the screen for two and a half oh, hours. Oh, yeah. If, if you cut together a compilation of my favorite shots of this movie, it would be, like, a really cool four-minute movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really cool. Really cool. That JT, one, that one shot you? of Megan Fox with the helicopter above it. Oh, yeah, when though. they're dangling out of the car. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, why is she... Why does she have her hands on the steering wheel at that moment, though, when the car is in the air, like dangling from a helicopter? That not to be a not to be like a cinema sins guy, but that just kind of made me laugh. Well, you never know; they might hit the ground and <laughs> gotta get driving again. Hey, they did hit the ground. True, JT. I'm going one bullet, but I I've been we've been negative on this, and like uh, uh, even even a one bullet movie sometimes has things to admire, and it's just like I don't know. There's oftentimes you hear the bullshit of like kids movies or whatever they sneak in like oh there's there's jokes there for the adults <laughs> but i really enjoyed just like bay doing like a movie that's just like based on like fucking stupid fucking toys and there is just so much like completely juvenile like horniness in there like we didn't mention the little decepticon also played by tom kenny that's just like fucking laying it down on megan fox's leg at one point, which she's fine with. Sure. Like, she's like, oh, that's cool. They like, should have kept expanding on that. I would have liked to say more of that. That, I feel like, was, <laughs> when I say non-consensual, like, the CG <laughs> is, like, so, like, she doesn't react to it. Like, no. that shot yeah. could have just been Bay calling for her to just stand there and be like, yeah, we're going to have some effects in the background. <laughs> True. And then cut to another shot of, like, okay, now, Shia, you tell the thing to stop humping her leg. Hands while, off, pal. While she's back in the trailer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to move on to emails. We actually have a few this week. Uh, a couple of them are just kind of more statements rather than questions. Yep. So I'll kind of burn through them. All but, right. hey, I'm glad people are reaching out, right? I know. This is yeah. literally the first time in, like, 20 episodes. Yeah. yeah. So... 
cool. You got to get your manifesto out here while you can. True. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost, guys, we're going to be gone. So put in the questions. Yeah. We won't be responsive after and this either. If you ever want to like get stuff that you can clip Eddie saying later dates, True. like you can just put it in an email. Blackmail. Like, if you want to put, write an email that just says, I'm gay, then you're going to have an audio clip of Eddie saying that he's gay. True. We also have a clip of JT. Saying, fuck, fuck. Saying it's a true. phrase I won't ever say. It's true. <laughs> Letter from a fan. Dear extended clip. I'm not usually the type to send fan mail to my favorite podcasters, which seems like what the young people would call cringe. But the news that you're permanently signing off uh, soon has put me in a sentimental mood. So here it goes. For more than a year now, I've been a great admirer of your show, which has been a source of laughter and reflection that has helped me through the depths of the pandemic. Your conversations about movies have found a perfect balance of intellectual rigor and irreverent humor that recalls the fondest memories of my college film society days. Uh, so we're, 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 we're not even out of school yet with it. Uh, moreover, your discerning taste has guided me some... Uh, excellent new discoveries. The night of counting the years was a particular highlight, and I'm grateful for the insights you've brought even to films I'm already familiar with. It makes me very sad that you'll be going off the air very soon, but I hope your creativity finds new channels for your fans to enjoy in the near future. I'll certainly tune in for whatever comes next. Appreciatively, <laughs> Andrew. Take a real sarcastic tone with a very nice email. Um, I'm just trying to liven it up. Yeah, no, no. If, if, like, you know, the podcast, if someone wants to bankroll this entire operation, we will keep going. Like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, if there's someone pays us to do this we'll do it you know what angel i mean investor yeah angel investor or a devil investor so if you're like a, a like a very wealthy man or woman who enjoys the show make it happen keep it going but yeah next email our next <laughs> one comes from hrithic it says hey i just watched your podcast on ega i'm so glad you all enjoyed it ss rajamuli's new film rrr is releasing in just two months from now on 7th january it's one of the most anticipated indian releases of the year it'll release in us too so i highly recommend you guys watch it in theaters with an indian audience to get the full experience it's gonna be epic well Thank you. He also sent yeah. the teaser for the film. I saw the teaser on Twitter the other day. It looks fucking sick. So I'll check it out. Uh, if yeah. we can find, I don't know like what the deal is necessarily with like Indian cinemas in general in LA. Uh, I know AMC drops some Indian movies in wide once in a while. Uh, but if it plays, if I, it, dude, if I can a list a new Roger Hell yeah. it's like we're, that, we're there. The AMC six, I believe, it's the one right next to the AMC sixteen. Uh-huh. We play Indian movies. Let's fucking do yeah. it then. Uh, and yeah. thank you for reaching out you know our uh I, I i looked a little bit at the metrics and uh since unlocking all of our old patreon episodes we have gotten our highest bump on ega and rob nabanaja jody episodes Hell yeah. so and, and they are all plays from india as well shout out so shout out to our indian listeners like very sincerely that is yeah. now our number i think they may have surpassed canada as our number two country really yeah Fuck yeah so what, what, uh, maybe we should have just been reviewing yeah. indian movies the whole time White guys <laughs> react to indian movies i mean it would Ooh, kill it would, it would kill. kill it would kill let's be honest <laughs> Uh, our next one comes from returning emailer Meredith. It says, hey, boys, this is not a question, but an earnest email. So please bear with me. Also, you do not have to read this on the podcast. Oh, well, too late. Uh, we'll hold see. on. It is quite long and it's very nice and sincere. And that's all I'm going to say, um, because it's, you know, she said not to read it on the podcast. I want to hear it. Cut it. Out. Cut this part out. OK, uh, this is not a question. Oh, I already said that part. This fall, I started a little movie theater on my porch called The Unofficial Theater. It's cool. It's fun. I'm more formal with it than necessary, but people keep showing up. For October, I was predictably doing mostly horror films, but once I decided to keep going after Halloween, I wanted to do something different for November. The theme I decided on was erotic thrillers. This was in no small part inspired by your recent Brian De Palma episode, which is the reason for this email. This week's unofficial theater screenings, Blowout and Body Double, are dedicated to the extended clip podcast podcast. Some may say it's lazy programming, but I like to think of it as respecting the classics. It's also probably safe to say that this whole project was dedicated to slash inspired by the podcast, which I don't quite remember how I found, but I started listening this spring and it really helped me get back into movies and get really excited about engaging with movies with others about movies. 
Oh, sorry, I misread that, but you know how to make sense of it. Anyway, since it's a public thing, I make posters for the screenings and stuff, so I'm going to attach those because I'm a proud of how they turned out and to really give Yin's the unofficial, unofficial theater experience. Cool, cool, cool. That's all I think. Last thing, I just want to clarify, I was not criticizing your use of the word milieu. I really <laughs> was just oh, so curious. <laughs> <laughs> I say it all the time now, and even my friends have started saying it. So your influence is worldwide, wow. or at least wow. to Illinois. Your friend, Meredith. You know what? Let's keep it in the podcast. That yeah, was that a very was, nice yeah. email. That's I was like, what's, the ni- what's literally the nicest email we've ever received. And we the posters are in. very cool, too. Um, lastly... One from Eric, who I believe has messaged us before. Changes new pursuits is the uh, subject. Okay. Hey, EC, as the podcast winds down and you all begin new pursuits, I can't help but see parallels with my own life. In the last few months, I've moved to another country and ended a serious relationship, which I assume is very similar to ending a podcast. (laughs) I've always had creative ambitions, but they were so tied up with how my life was in the past that these goals seem less attainable than ever. So I guess my question is, what's your biggest goal after the podcast? And how do you keep yourselves motivated in the beginning of a new project, be it a film, a podcast, piece of criticism, etc.? I guess I'm just looking for some inspiration. Hmm. Have any of us ever done anything? I think I, I, I think I know how to tackle that. I don't know. It's just like, well, after the podcast, I want to make more uh, movies would be the ideal at Same. that time. And uh, I don't know, just sort of like kick your ass about stuff. Like I, I don't know, setting like deadlines or whatnot always helps me. I mean, this is really boring advice. Um, I would say take advantage of the fact that you're in a new situation. You know, like once you get into a rhythm, you might not want to break that routine to make a film or write a piece of criticism or write an essay or a book or whatever you want to write. Um you know, I understand the relationship and the new place. We've all been there. Uh, but I think that's a, as good of a time as any to distract yourself with productivity and hustle. True. Yeah, just... Uh, that's my motivational yeah, tidbit for the week. I have no motivation. <laughs> <laughs> David, yeah, what just do you... follow <laughs> Mel's soul on Instagram. David, True. what are you going to do after we end the podcast? Uh, I'm going to stop watching movies, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done with this whole bit. Uh, this was fun while it lasted, but um, yeah. True. No. We're just going to dedicate our lives to making money now. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that really is my goal right now is just hold down a job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to get by, man. Um, Next week, returning champion Tim is coming back uh, for a double feature from Philly's own M. Night Shyamalan. We're going to be talking about The Happening and After Earth. So that is going to be a very fun episode. I love both of those films. And uh, anything you guys want to say before signing off? Well, it's our start of the Will Smith Innocence Project. Well, not Innocence, but Reclaim. Like, he needs a win. Yeah. And... I wanted I wanted to do that for him single handedly. We're gonna make a comeback for him. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know what's going on with the uh, the Smith family, but uh, we send our best regards. Maybe M Night can only reach to out Will. To him. Only to Will. Yeah, actually, yeah. Fuck Jada Pinkett. Uh, <laughs> what a fucking. All right, you know. <laughs> I don't want. I mean, I don't want to say anything. I you know, I'll have to take back. But uh, um, yeah, best regards to everyone, not just the Smith family. David, happy holidays. <laughs> anything you want to say before we sign yeah, off? Thank you for I, joining us again. I, it's always a pleasure to have you on the pod. Dave, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think the Smith family is great. I hope <laughs> the best for them as well. Um, and I hope you guys all move on to uh, greener pastures. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so yeah. much. The podcast. I, I will miss True. it dearly. True. Well, you know, there's a lot of, epi- you know, for if there's fans that have been listening for a while, go back to the old ones. Yeah, you can re-listen. Old, yeah, just re-listen to Some them. of them might not be so good, but you know. That's the pleasure in it, right? Yeah. All right, bye. <laughs>